Hey everyone, it's Ethan McKinley and welcome to the Two Minute Terminator. We are in fact back. Fat back, Ellie? Fat uh, back. <laughs> we're so going fast deposit above the belt line. <laughs> across the, uh, the airwaves, of course, is my charming co-host Ellie Fitzgerald as we uh, enter into this last uh, run eight of shows. I think, I think we've got eight or nine left. I will double check that, Ellie. And your indentured servitude will end. Yes, hi everyone. It's been a while since we've recorded something, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, because we're kind of like... You're having terrible kind of not personal troubles, but you kind of don't have a house and you're all over the place and etc. So you make uh, me sound so together. <laughs> I know, uh, but we are uh, here to present to you the last uh, run of shows for the Terminator before I uh, strong arm into doing uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, we're going from minutes 110 to 112. That's the uh, uh, sorry, the hour and 50 to the hour and 52 minute mark as we uh, enter into this final, I guess, trough. Trough. Track, whatever it is. Well, Arnie it's falls not a into peak, a it's a trough. <sighs> Have you got anything else to add, Ellie? And yeah, so that was it. Thanks for joining us, guys. It's been real. And uh, hit the music. Yeah, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. Howdy, stranger. Don't say howdy, stranger to me. Load up. You didn't do the fourth. Thank God. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. <clears throat> yes, we're back. Hello, everyone. We uh, are uh, on uh, YouTube, of course, if you want to actually Did your watch... meat pie not give you much energy, Ethan? No. <laughs> Have I started no. off badly? <laughs> No, you just sounded quite tired when you came back from that intro. Like, and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan's had no fizzy pop this evening. Shall I start uh, yes. again? No, keep going. I just. Uh, yes, it is episode fifty-four, and we are uh, <clears throat> into the last run of the Terminator uh, Genesis, which was meant to be the start of a new trilogy and actually killed the franchise. Uh, Arnold, <laughs> Arnold claims yeah. the the films will return with him in it. I don't think that's going to happen, but we've got uh, a tidbit of news to do with the uh, the next possible Terminator film, if it happens, Whoa. which of course is music to Ellie's ears, because that means uh, we've got another season of Terminator to knock out in 2019, no. but we'll, of course we will come to that. Uh, we are going from minutes 110 to 112, <clears throat> so that's 1 hour 50 uh, minutes to 1 hour 52, and it begins with Arnie holding down the Terminator version of John Connor in the uh, time uh, tactical time weapon that he cobbled together oh no that's not the one this is the 2017 version that john connor has built in the bowels of uh, uh the cyberdyne building and it ends of course with arnie sinking into uh, a gallon of terminator splooge he falls into the moat <laughs> of uh, t1000 uh mercury what is it a river that uh, is molten metal again i come back to why they have two like super secret high-profile projects in the same room. Same room, <laughs> If something goes wrong with one or the other, you've just ruined everything. But that's that's kind of America for you, isn't it? I can imagine <laughs> them doing that. I've got a brilliant idea! Trump, um, tr Trump has uh, shares in this Cyberdyne, clearly. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> that's why all the chicks have big tits and big lips. Um, so, <clears throat> I thought Sarah's overacting in the beginning of this scene was amazing. As she runs around this... What is this machine called again? I always want to say space-time continuum, but it's not. In, I think, is it this film, or at least in the uh, 
I guess, the pre-visualizations of Terminator 2, James Cameron's original idea, which was the tactical time weapon. I think that's what they call it in this film. Tactical time weapon. Uh, the it. spinning time machine, of course. They couldn't use James Cameron's, as I've said before, exact design because that was pretty much used in uh, Contact. I don't know who was responsible for that. Or they got the sign-off uh, from Cameron to use it because he wanted to see it perhaps on film. In maybe, some, he, maybe he didn't paint it. In some capacity. It's actually the... Uh, I guess the interdimensional uh, portal o opening spinny thing that Jodie Foster falls into in the <laughs> film uh, Skynet. Skynet? Sorry. <laughs> from Contact from 1997. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, Sarah's uh, kind of <clears throat> running around this thing as she realises that Pops, her father figure, is going, he's going to die, he's going to die. And it's the face that she's pulling. And it's what you've always said um, when actors are at acting school. And it's like, oh, right, okay, it's a hot sunny day, go. And people are oh, oh, like, found themselves. Her overacting as she's running around this uh, this time thing, whatever it is. You literally just told me, and it's already gone out of head. Time uh, tactical time weapon. Tactical time weapon. Uh, I think it's the best I've seen yet. And yet, I do notice that she kind of snaps out of it very quickly. And what in she... terms of her acting, you think it's the best yet? <clears throat> I mean, like her overacting. I wouldn't. I would have thought you'd have it's picked terrible. up on this. This is the, probably the, one of the best scenes to display the bingos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. There's always time for the bingos. Uh, that comes later. But yeah, and so um, when Pops is kind of almost saying his farewell goodbyes, he always says Kyle Reese. Why can he not just say Kyle? I don't know. Perhaps you have to know him personally before he just goes to first name terms. I'm not sure. Uh, well, I Mr. Reese, no? <laughs> Yo, Mr. Reese, look after. And he says, my Sarah. Oh, I see. I thought this scene. Did this scene get you in the cinema? I don't it, remember you crying did, or anything. Dude, oh, did it? As, dude, as I watched this clip the first time round, I actually welled up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> you know why? I'm such a mug. I couldn't believe it. I was like, if Ethan could see me now, oh my God, he'd be doing that hysterical laugh. But why? Because it's not really a great film that's kind of like... kicks his legs in the air. It's not really a great film that's kind of developed this relationship and it's built up so it actually has dude, got an emotional I, punch. I know, I know. And dude, it's not like I sat down and watched the whole thing and I'm like engaged and I'm like sold on this film. I literally sat down to make some notes on this two minutes and I felt myself welling up. So it's that moment um, we're kind of skipping forward when he's about to finally dissipate. <laughs> and you can literally see, like, I don't know, but I thought I could see that Pops has actually watery eyes. I know that's physically not possible for a I'll term. Have a look. By the way, but... listeners, if you actually want to follow along with the clip we're actually talking about, I always say this at the end of the show and it actually doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you now kind of at the start. Uh, you can actually watch the clip on repeat ad infinitum as we discuss it, Mystery Science Theatre 3K style, at our YouTube channel, uh, Two Minute Terminator on YouTube. Uh, so you can actually see if what... Let's have a look. I'm going to see if, if Arnie's actually going to well up in this. Let's have a look. <clears throat> it's kind of when he turns towards, into cornflakes. Yeah, that's the, that's the moment. And you could when argue... One could he's, flaking argue. Like a he's flaking like a flapjack. Yeah, they kind of stole this uh, effect. Well, you know what? It's, it's a double theft, actually, because this is the way Nyssa dies in uh, Blade 2. There's this kind of like very... Baladu, this romanticised vampire death, which isn't at all like this violently painful, torturous burning to death, which is what it probably would be if you're exposed to the sun as a vampire, even though they're fictitious. She kind of just fades away and crumbles to dust, like in an invasion of the body snatchers. Mm. Uh, that effect, again, was used, and the same kind of like uh, poetic demise that uh, Josh Hartnett had in 30 Days of Night, he kind of like fades away and turns into cornflakes as well. So they've kind of uh, reused the scene, essentially, in this film. However, 
Oh god, where's this bloody scene? Here we go. <laughs> okay, yeah, he's got watery eyes, but I'm not sure if that's uh, a term. He does. Yeah. I know, but that's that. That I think they're trying to signify that he's upset and he's crying. I think it's just because he's old. If you look at old people's eyes pretty close up, they've always got this like thick film on their eye with like this like almost like they're gonna have a tear that's gonna break. <laughs> I've been around quite a lot of old people in my time, so <laughs> <laughs> I stare into the face and see one every day in the mirror. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the fact that he said my Sarah, that signifies like an idea of almost ownership. Well not ownership, but like that's his property like this is my it is it's a very much father-daughter relationship isn't it mm. i've actually there's one thing i've actually just noticed as uh we'll go skip ahead just again as you just did but uh, at the very end of the clip as he like falls into the molten moat of uh like liquid metal <laughs> which is like making the t1000s uh you notice that the lid or the kind of uh god what's what does he call it the dampening assembly the kind of uh <laughs> the cap that protects his skull where the uh, CPU is. The yeah. actual cap is missing as he goes into the liquid metal and you see the liquid metal kind of pouring into the hole. I'm assuming, spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, that's kind of how the T-1000 forms around him when he becomes the next version of himself, allegedly. Ethan, that's a massive spoiler. Well, if you're watching this film this way, but not actually, actually watching the film, sorry. <laughs> but Arnie becomes the T-1000. Well, ridiculously, he becomes the T-1000 at the end of this, which I'm not sure how I feel about, but we'll obviously get to that in a future episode. But yeah, the uh, the CPU, the kind of hole that it's in, and the chip uh, is all completely exposed. I guess that's their kind of way of saying this is how he kind of resurrects himself. Yeah, I guess. And then that would then feed your theory that there's a little chip floating around in every kind of uh, T-1000. Oh, no, come on, let's drop this shit. <laughs> is the chip in his head? Is it just floating around around his belly? It's in his leg today, I don't know. Yeah, I That's think uh, I think Arnie's cataracty, milky eye is just uh, a consequence of his uh, advancing age as opposed to uh, the fact that he's like, losing oh, his look, set you're just, you're just dead and cold inside and you have no heart. He's... I know, but I'm trying to fight my way out of that stereotype. <laughs> he's, he's, gonna, he's, he's feeling emotional because he's saying goodbye to his, his one bit of kind of human contact he doesn't have tear ducts even though they can produce blood sweat gravy and egg like on a, a, a washing up powder advert so explain to me why he says look after my sarah and uh, i'm sorry but he looks really perplexed <laughs> what well, arnick can i have to do this yeah. <laughs> no he loves her we then get this beautiful scene when um kyle finally flips the switch or should i say kyle reese uh, flips the switch and we get the two Terminators doing this beautiful dance and I thought to myself I've seen this before the way they kind of travel up and they're entwined into each other and then I realised it's the um, scene where Baron Munchausen is dancing with Venus and they're just kind of entwined in, around each other and they're like floating up in the air Irma Thurman Irma Thurman yeah who actually who plays the Baron in that Who's the actor? Oh, John. God, he played uh, one of the evil kind of Illuminati men in the X-Files as well. The Lex-Files. God, that's good. Um, yeah, so we then see Sarah. Well, initially, she's a bit upset. And she's like, oh, my God, Pops. And then Carl goes, Sarah, come on, we've got to go. And she goes, all right, okay, let's go. She calms down very quickly. That's the the overacting. <laughs> it just, this, it's like this bitch is on, like, bipolar one minute she's fine next minute she's crying and she's upset she's a woman <laughs> your dad's just died oh i don't care come on Kyle, let's go. <laughs> my robot dad just died you should take the day off uh john oh. neville played uh, baron munchausen by the way lee oh 
He's a British actor. He uh, passed away in 2011. He was born in 1925. He was 86 when he died. He uh, was born, obviously, in London. He's in The Fifth Element, Baron Munchausen, The X-Files, and uh, Spider, to name but a few. I reckon Baron Munchausen was his braces. Um, I actually thought that when Pops is uh, spinning around with John in that thing... Um, he almost goes back to how the first Terminator looked in T1. He kind of looks more zombie-like. If you actually look at how the Terminator starts kind of like coming apart, because it's kind of far back, he starts to look like the old-school Terminator. Well, I think some of the the basic, well, I guess the kind of like the surface uh, cosmetic parts of him uh, kind of stripped away, so you kind of getting down to the skeleton perhaps. Yeah, and also when he the body gets flung out and then, like you said, he kind of plops into the molten metal. Yeah, I, I had trouble with that. That's that that's like a homage back to T two when um, the Terminator when he kind of lowers himself into the molten metal and you see him slowly kind of going down like a ship. And then I noticed that he's got some pretty funky ass mohawk going on. I was just like, ah, I like it. Yeah, it's no just... one messes with the do. I don't know. I think it's a bit of an obvious get out, isn't it? I think I think Arnie should have gone up in in flames in this time machine, and then and they should... also, why would Arnie be like flung out and not John? John was actively trying to get out of the thing uh, because Arnie is the, the franchise. <laughs> I thought the whole thing was actually a massive anticlimax. I thought it would be some really epic kind of. I don't know. Maybe I've, I've, maybe there's more to come, dude. I literally cannot remember how this film finishes. I'm glad it left an impression on you. <laughs> I know it's so bad. Dorking halls. I know, but um, no, I it this scene actually really did get to me. I, I will admit it. It's just that kind of like father daughter kind of relationship thing, and as you know, I have a massive soft spot for my dad. I have no so. idea what she's talking about. I'm from a broken home. Uh, would you like some trivia, Ellie? Or a Tri- fact attack? Trivia. Fact attack. <laughs> It's rumoured, Ellie, even though I, I think I wrote this before they cancelled the franchise or kind of uh, Skydance and Paramount took it off the roster for 2018 movies, uh, for its releases at least. Uh, it is rumoured that this following film, uh, there'll be one more after this allegedly, would have been Arnold's last as the Terminator. Uh, I've got some more trivia for you. Or Fact! Fast. Attack! <laughs> Tell we haven't done this for a long time. You keep messing up, you goof. In Terminator 1984, it was established that Terminators do not wear just living uh, human tissue, uh, but they blend it in. Oh, to bl- sorry, sorry. What? Oh my god, I can't wait for you to hear that back. This is Ethan's reading aloud, and worse than Bill Burr. In Terminator they 1984, have skin. It they is established that the Terminators do not just wear living human skin to blend in. They wear living human tissue, <laughs> so you can you go through the time displacement field, basically. Ow. Uh, Kyle Reese surmised that the living tissue generates a field necessary for time travelling, that nothing dead will go. <clears throat> In this film, uh, it is added that if the Terminator would go through without living tissue covering its metal body, it would body. quickly heat up. Uh, like in a microwave and blow up and be destroyed so like throwing a fork into a microwave basically and would dis- uh, destroy the time displacement field with living human tissue uh, the time displacement field cannot penetrate the Terminator's endoskeleton so it kind of like acts as a, a, a meat condom so you don't get to <laughs> the time travel exploding <laughs> clap 
And now Amazing. the Speaker of the House for the House of Representatives, <laughs> the uh, the <laughs> the greatest speaker in the English language, Ethan McKinley. Hello, everyone, and uh, good evening. Uh, yes, I, I enjoyed that quite a lot. Um, I think another reason why that particular moment got to me is the music. I thought the music was really good when Pops is kind of flaking away. It's quite sad. It's quite emotive. It's well, that's it's Hans Zimmer's uh, student, Lauren Balf, there, of course, uh, doing the music. Oh, yes. Um, no, I thought the music in this film was quite good, actually. Um, not the best, but I did enjoy it. I definitely think it kind of carried. And as you saw, well, as I explained. I think the only issue with it is kind of yeah. it's, it's very, I think like a lot of composers that came out literally from under Hans Zimmer, they all kind of have that Hans Zimmer flavour to them. And I think, uh, I mean, I've discussed this on other podcasts and podcasts. You've, 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 you've gone to other podcasts? Well, isn't it? I don't know. I think a lot of film music, I mean, the Marvel films suffer from this in the sense that uh, you never have a consistent composer doing each Marvel sequel. Yeah, it's really annoying. So they get a different composer and they want to make their own theme. And then they, you know, so you have one maybe with a kind of okay soundtrack and then one that's really bad, then one that doesn't mesh with this and that. And I understand because they have to knock out two or three films a year and people have like tight schedules and things. So it's very difficult to do as evidence with the... I think Rogue One as well. Michael Giacchino did the music for that, and he apparently had like five weeks to do the entire film. Jesus. And I think it shows. It's uh, who, did, who did the first one? Uh, John Williams does the classic Star Wars films. That's up to Episode Seven. It's just sad he couldn't do Rogue One because that was kind of set in the classic Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, well, it just wasn't up to scratch. But I think a lot of composers now don't really have those kind of like old kind of. They, you don't have a theme. It, the soundtracks don't exist in a form that you can listen to them outside of the film. Yeah. They don't I have their own mean. life out, outside of that. They just kind of these become these very generic thrumming kind of like. Uh, <laughs> Thrum. Sorry. Well, it is, isn't it? It's just like. There's kind of a beat under it, and they put some cool like synths over it and stuff. It all becomes very kind of like. Uh, Cookie well, it's just cutter. Well, it's just background, isn't it? And like, well, I mean, this does. I mean, Hans Zimmer kind of, I think, produced or worked on portions of this soundtrack, and it like sounds like not that he's bad, uh, but I think a lot of composers either ape that style now, and that's what soundtracks. You don't walk out of the kind of like the movie theater going humming, the, humming the tune. Yeah, yeah, like no character has his own kind of theme. Uh, you know, there's nothing that I don't know. It just adds an extra layer of drama to a film, and I Lord think films, Rings. films at the uh, films kind of lack that. I had real trouble listening to Lord of the Rings initially. <clears throat> no, I, I I really liked that, and I mean that, that's pretty recognisable. That had a theme throughout all the films, but it, it did. Was, but I don't think it was like it was like classic. It wasn't. I don't think as good as. Uh, I don't think Howard Shaw is as good as uh, James Horner or John Williams. Oh no, I completely agree. But what I mean is, is you know, that's something that's a bit more recent in which but in in Howard Shaw's defense and looking back on it the amount of like work that went into it and because I guess they weren't going for that Hollywood film feeling which I think is to the benefit of Lord of the Rings it feels more like a I almost I don't know almost like you're in that world it was so like uh, well depicted and things so I think the music didn't need that but uh I don't know, it'd be interesting to like to live in an alternate universe and see if John Williams or James Horner or someone of that caliber did <laughs> Lord of the Rings music. How it would... Would it yeah, make the films better? But no, the, the soundtracks are great. I think as a cohesive whole with all the songs and stuff, it's very Tolkien and stuff, and I suppose yeah. they hit perfectly what was uh, required of them. 
cool listen to you being a, to- a Tolkien sympathizer. Not a sympathizer. I think the Lord of the Rings is great. I just, I, I when I first you saw don't. it, I walked out there going, "Huh, that was pretty good." <clears throat> and then I got on board with the second and the third one, and as a complete piece, it's, uh, I guess, one of the best, most so consistent trilogies. What is but your I think, issue with Hobbit then? Uh, based, uh, they just stretch it out too long. What the Hobbit? So you yeah. like Lord of the Rings? I think that's the first time you've ever actually said that in my presence, though. No, you've I have. Just, I like Lord, just, Lord of the Rings. You've always, you've always shit all over the Lord of the Rings, but that's because I like it. No, 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 no. I just... You don't believe I've read the books, which I have. I do believe you. I've never said that. I and the Lord of the Rings, the films, are better than the books because they add many layers of the Silmarillion in, so it makes more sense. The Lord of the Rings, the book, makes little sense because Tolkien wrote it really as an exercise in kind of trying to create a language. And mm. then he went, oh... I should, and then it generated interest. I mean, there was this panic to kind of like squeeze all this other stuff in. So I think two thirds of the book is just mucking around in the Shire. Then they squeeze in Return of the King and the Two Towers really into this like last bit. And I think it's all out of sequence. None of it flows. And there's it's like what Peter Jackson and uh, Philippa Boyens did with the script to kind of like organize that book into like this continuous narrative. Uh, they, I guess they richly deserved an Oscar for which they won uh, <laughs> but yeah no I think uh, I mean they, they go through it if anyone's got the uh, director's versions I think it's actually in the third film where they explain how all over the place the Lord of the Rings book is and the, the lion's task or the titanic uh, you know insurmountable task they had ahead of them is to like to make that cohesive and put all the like almost like dropping a jigsaw on the floor and having to kind of put it back together in the right places that's what they kind of had to do so in that sense i think the films are better than the books controversial (laughs) and that's because ethan can't read um yes so did you have anything more you wanted to say about this i can read actually ellie because did you know in the terminator 1984 it was established that the terminators didn't just wear living human tissue to blend in they were they were the living. Hang on. They were the living. <laughs> they were the living human tissue. They wore it. No. Okay. They wear living human. Oh, forget it. <laughs> You're fired. Thank you. <laughs> I've got a cock up for you. Cock up. And you'll be proud of me. This actually corresponds to this clip. <laughs> Whoa! Shut the front door. <laughs> Hit me with it. Uh, I'm reading aloud as well. Uh, Okay. Near the end of the movie, while Pops and John fight in the unfinished time machine, Kyle and Sarah are seen using the elevator and entering the safety vault, even though it was previously established that Skynet was capable of controlling the whole facility. Why didn't Skynet just disable the elevators and lock the doors that Kyle or Sarah are in, or even deny them access to the safety vault which they run into? Well, I can I can actually I can actually say something about that cock up because I actually wrote a note about it but didn't actually manage to get it out until now. Um, the safety locker that they go into, she actually puts her hand onto the grid and it says identify yourself, and she says Sarah Connor, and it opens and like, well, how the hell would how the hell would they know who Sarah Connor is, and why would that give her access to anything? Very weird. Mm. Carry on. <laughs> That's it. It's uh, oh. if Skynet was in control of the facility. Although technically, you could argue if John Connor is Skynet and they are one, a bit like Jesus and uh, our Father. Uh, yeah, but if Skynet the, the, the also God. knows what what's happening now, and Skynet is almost at full maturity, it will also know that Sarah is there to destroy Skynet and doesn't need John Connor. Exactly. 
Wow, you see that conversation. Wow, we've 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 really uh, <laughs> we've really covered some stuff. <laughs> oh, the bingo wings at uh, twenty five oh, seconds. Oh yeah, big flabby things. I can't wait to never have to look at them ever again. Oh. Although I have actually started watching Game of Thrones. I can't wait I for you, Ellie. To bump, I can't wait for you. I've only watched the first episode, it, but I I think I'm going to watch the second episode this evening. So, Ooh, I shut will, the front uh, door. I've already seen her being um, bummed by uh, what's his name again? The sexiest man alive, Jason Momoa. Hello? Oh, God. Have we lost Ellie? What he's planning to do next, we'll never know. Ellie? And now here I am uh, talking to myself. The, the essence of uh, chaos, as Jeff Goldblum once said in the 1993 film, Jurassic Park. Hello? Hello? Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. That's all right. I think your signal cut out. Sorry, listeners, we are, in fact, back. I was... Uh, while you went off the phone before you, we cut off, I was actually telling everyone uh, that James Cameron may be returning to the Terminator franchise. Whoa. Shut the door. <laughs> the front one. Uh, well, Tim Miller, who directed Deadpool, uh, has said he's going to be teaming up with James Cameron to bring Terminator back to the screen. I'm not sure in what form that will be. I'm assuming it will be a completely new version uh, of the film, minus of course Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, James Cameron sold the rights sadly to Terminator years and years ago so he had no real control over it and that's why I think Terminator 1 was made by Orion which was then bought by MGM and then Terminator 2 was part of Carol Co which uh, of course was the two producers Ellie's favourite Andrew Vajner mm-hmm. and Mario Kassar they of course uh, did Terminator 2 and then they kind of went bust a few years later basically 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 <clears throat> Uh, now let me just check because we may not be recording it's fucking distracting oh god we weren't recording were we Uh, I'm just checking to see if we are yes we are sorry listeners (laughs) oh god cut that bit out yeah uh, so yeah, David Ellison, who's a Skydance producer and he co-financed Terminator Genesis, he's not related to Harlan Ellison, of course, uh, who was the guy that kind of sued or settled out of court with James Cameron for stealing uh, his story idea, I think, for The Demon with the Glass Hand, which James Cameron kind of denied initially, but then kind of gave him some cash off the books, uh, which was an Outer Limits episode from the 60s. Uh, they're working together, basically to bring Terminator back to the screen. Uh, James Cameron gets the rights back in 2019 and uh, he claims he's going to be taking the reins of the Terminator franchise. I'm assuming that doesn't mean he'll be directing it and I guess Tim Miller, the Deadpool director, will be directing it with James Cameron producing. But, I mean, hopefully that could see a return to the kind of the the look, the blue kind of steely lights and the kind of the chrome look of Terminators with the giant... But even even so, it's not going to be the same because it's not... Even if it is Arnold, he's going to be so old. And if it's not Arnold, it's just not Terminator. No, you're right. But then again, if you go back... I think Cameron should just leave it alone. I know. Just make new Cameron. I know. Focus on Avatar. I, I couldn't agree more. However, I do think uh, <laughs> never count James Cameron out. He always finds a way of reinventing and bringing it back in a new way. Uh, what, Porch Monkey for Life? Well, no, because, I mean, in Terminator 2, it was originally going to be like two Arnolds fighting each other, and then it kind of reverted. Everyone was like, oh, it's not going to be that. It's going to be this new act called Robert Patrick. And you looked at him and went, ugh, God, that's not going to work. 
It was a regular yeah, person. But yeah, but it, yeah, but it still had Arnold in it. It did, but I think you. I don't know. It'd have to be set in the future, I guess. And I don't know. I, I just think James Cameron could bring uh, something perhaps new to Terminator. Well, James, hit us with it. Let's see what you can do. You know, everyone said, uh, how could this upstart director be doing a sequel to the amazing classic Ridley Scott's Alien? You can't sequelize that. It's a self-contained story. It's amazing. And he fucking did it. And then, of course, he was like, I'm going to do Terminator 2. And people were like, well, how are you going to do that? Terminator is a classic. You can't redo Terminator. How can you build on the Terminator? Oh, my God. And he fucking did it. <laughs> so Then he said he was going to do Titanic, which I'm not that much of a fan of. So what you're saying is, is basically James Cameron is the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the director's world. Basically, yeah. Ow. Dude, stop saying basically. And the same with Avatar. <laughs> they were going to cut him out for that because he been hadn't done a film since Titanic and he was trying to develop this technology and everyone thought this will never work and it did. It became the biggest film of all time. Following on from Titanic, which was the biggest film of all time, and they thought, how is this rubbishy historical drama with a love story in the middle going to work and become any kind of hit? Cameron's career is over and he did it again. So I absolutely think he can do a make bring Terminator back in some modern form, I'm quite sure. I don't know. Never count out the Cameron. J -j -j James Cameron. <laughs> anyway, do you have any more to say about this particular two minutes, Ethan? What? Do you have anything else to say about this last two minutes? I don't. I do hope uh, the listeners have enjoyed this episode. We've been away for about, uh, well, more than a couple of days, and I think it's quite evident that we're out of practice. But the next episode, of course, will be episode 58. Uh, which I'm going to have even less to say about because literally nothing <laughs> happens in it. Which will be uh, 112 minutes to 114. We'll, of course, return to, with that tomorrow for you. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to uh, follow us on the uh, YouTube channel, please do subscribe. You can actually, as I said before earlier in the episode, you can follow along with the clip as we do it at Infinitum on repeat. So you can see if uh, Arnie was crying in that scene or he not. He was Wasn't crying. I don't know. Just uh, you can't. You can... You can uh, follow us, of course, on uh, at, uh, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, more fun with Ethan Ellie, the big Roger co-host. Hasta la vista. Baby.